Taylor. I'm Kat. And welcome to Square Mile of Murder. This week is our six month podiversary. Oh my Yay. God. How, like, exciting. We have survived six months. Yes. Surprising. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, we start, when we started, half the Southern Hemisphere was on fire. Yep. Now we're still in the midst of a global pandemic. Yep. Murder Hornets came in as like a sideshow at one point. Yep. Um, Brexit is on the horizon. Mm, mm-hmm. There's a there's a presidential election happening in the U.S. Yeah, kind of. Um, um, there's weren't weren't the alligators rebelling or something? Oh, um, meth alligators. Yes, meth alligators. It's the alligators in Florida are all meth addicts now. The best the best kind of alligators that you want in your life. Um, you know. It's been a so, hell of a year to start a, an, a a creative endeavor such as this. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we've had a very, very exciting six months. It it certainly has been. And uh, yeah, we're just very, very grateful for you all to have been along on this ride with us. Yes. When we just talk shit every week. Yeah. I mean, it's super weird because like, we're just talking to ourselves and recording it. And only when, yeah. you know, we we hear from you guys and you're like, oh, that was great or that was funny or whatever it may be. Like, then it's like, oh, someone was listening. To celebrate, we have a very special fun episode. Yeah. Uh, this week, we are looking at the British royal family. I mean, there are a million ways we could go yes, with just the that British topic. royal family. Um, but more to the point, we're going to recount some royal assassination attempts. I'm so excited for this episode. Uh, this is going to be a, a fun one. I'm I'm looking forward to this. Um, but before we get into all of that, uh, we have a much less fun announcement. Um, if you've been following our social media or uh, the UK news at all lately, um, you probably will have seen that there has been a development in Stephen Lawrence's case. So we said when we covered Stephen's case a few weeks ago that we would keep you updated with any developments. And sadly, last week, London's Metropolitan Police announced that they were ending the active search for Jamie Aircourt, Neil Aircourt and Luke Knight, the three men who participated in Stephen's murder alongside Gary Dobson and David Norris both of whom were convicted in 2012. Stephen's parents uh, and brother have expressed their dismay at the decision, saying that once again, the Met have failed Stephen and their family. Uh, His father, Neville, announced that he will be doing everything he can to overturn the decision to label Stephen's case inactive, and his mother, Doreen, is urging anyone with any information to come forward, saying that the Met may have given up, but she never will. This essentially makes Stephen's case a cold case. The Met said that they will review it every two years um, and we will keep you updated with any new developments. But other than that, they're not doing jack shit anymore. Yeah. I Like, how have they just I'm, not found these guys in eight years well, or plus? Well, it's been 27 years. Uh, yes. Neil smart. and Jamie Aircourt have been in and out of prison anyway for drug-related offences. Um, so I don't know what Luke Knight's been up to. There doesn't seem to be a lot known about him. Mm-hmm. But the other two, they know exactly where they are. They just claim there's no evidence that um, they can use in court. Um, seems actu- like bullshit. I'm, yeah, I'm... I'm not surprised. I mean, the Met tried to end the search as Stephen was bleeding out in the middle of the street. They tried to end that case like dead gangbanger. But I'm actually quite surprised they've made that announcement now in the current political climate. I know. And this is after... It's a slap in the face to every... it's It's a slap in the face to the family. But I think they think it's just going to go away. 
And yeah. I don't think it is in this current climate. No. And the it shouldn't. Way, it's not. Well, no, absolutely it shouldn't. And I don't think it's going to this time. Same with um, the case of police brutality in America. Yeah. We are over 150 days since Breonna Taylor's murder. Mm-hmm. And, you know, shockingly, nothing has been nothing done. Nothing has happened. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't think it's all going to go away this time. No. And we will keep, like we said, we will keep you updated. If there's anything we can do, we will let you know if there's anything you can do to help. Yeah. And like, um, I mean, I'd say check out the Stephen Lawrence Foundation. Um, yes. And, um, you know, if you have yeah, the means. Yeah, if you want a charity to donate Donate, to. yeah. Yeah. Try to um, keep his legacy alive. Um, what really surprises me is the Met has has gone and said like oh you know there's really nothing we can do like we're just gonna not and they've done this immediately after participating in a television special called Stephen Lawrence where are we now or has Britain changed while where they sat at a comically large desk and told the nation and the world actually the Met is not racist super sensitive to to hate crimes all this bullshit and now they're like never mind yeah and in that same show they genuinely said this is the deputy chief of the metropolitan police said we're not racist we have officers of color yeah actually i think she may have said we have black officers i can't remember how exactly it was worded but because there are people of color and black people in uh, the Metropolitan Police, they believe they cannot be racist. Yeah. We all know that is bullshit. And just like, I want to know who is running their PR right now because whoever it is needs to be fucking fired. They are doing a terrible job. Yeah. This is not um, the moment. And and let's not forget that a few weeks ago, Cressida Dick, who is the chief. Yeah. So the Met are really patting themselves on the back because they have a queer woman at the top of the tree. Um, said that the only reason that officers will stand in solidarity with protesters or support Black Lives Matter is because they have been pressured into it by society. Lovely. Fuck you. She's aptly named. What a dick. <laughs> uh, so, what have we learned? That uh, has Britain changed? Well, Britain may have, but the Met hasn't. So, so, yeah, we'll keep you updated if anything changes, if if there's more sort of discussion or commentary from the police about this whole thing. Um, but for now, that's that's um, where we are. Yeah, really, really frustrating start to this episode. Yes. There is no easy way to just go from that into this week's episode, so... We're just let's not even try. Gonna um, jump in. I mean, yeah, yeah. Yes. It's it's a pretty big shift in tone from complete and yeah. utter injustice um, to our sort of <laughs> historical fun bullshitty shenanigan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and we apologize for that, but we yes. literally cannot, could not find a way to make it flow any better between the two topics so Um, if you have uh segue suggestions for the future no so let's let's go hang out with the royal family so like we said we're covering royal assassination attempts here um but before we get into the actual sort of nitty-gritty of the specific assassination attempts let's take a look at the actual definition of the word assassination because it's actually slightly different for murder. And also there's two asses in that word and I'm tired and so it's making me giggly. (laughs) Assassination. Assass. So most of us tend to think that normal people are murdered and the rich and famous are assassinated. (laughs) See what I did there? It's very, very good, very good. Um, And to be honest, that's not really too far from the truth, to be honest. Yeah. Um, So assassination is defined as the murder of a person, especially for political reasons or for personal gain, whereas murder is defined as the act of deliberately ending another person's life. So 
all assassinations are murder, but not all murders are assassinations. It's kind of like all squares are rectangles, oh. but not all rectangles are squares. Throwing it back to sixth grade say, math. All thumbs are fingers, not all fingers are thumbs. Oh, oh no. What if you just had all thumbs? No. Just a handful of thumbs. Thumb, 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 thumb. That's creepy. I don't want to think about that. We're going to look at the eight assassination attempts on Queen Victoria. That's so That's great. That's so good. Eight attempts to finish off Queen Vic and not one of them succeeded. Uh, we were going to look at attempts on other monarchs, but there were just so many on Queen Victoria that it became an episode of its own. It's amazing. Um, and once again, as with all of the old and timey episodes that we do, we just have to give the disclaimer that Victorian era record keeping was crap. <laughs> yeah. Um, so some names are disputed, some dates are disputed, some just don't exist. Some ages we've had to work out using, you know, if we've been given an age in one, <laughs> like one article has an age and then another one has a date um, when they were a different age and we've kind of got to work out what age they were when things happened. Yeah. So we're sorry if some of it's wrong, but we're doing the best we can. Yeah, there's not... There's Just the theme of this week's episode. We're doing a, the best we can. Not a lot to work with in the <laughs> sort of accuracy side of things. So... uh. Queen Victoria was born Princess Alexandrina Victoria of Kent on May 24th, uh, 1819. She married her cousin, Prince Albert, in 1840, two years after she took over the British throne in June 1838, following the death of her uncle, King William IV. Um, now, we could go into sort of intense and, and massive detail about Queen Victoria's reign and the British Empire and colonialism, and sort of all of that can of worms. Um, but we're not going to do that right now because we'd be here for days. Uh, and never have a chance to record another normal episode yeah, ever. exactly. And we'll be here till the end of time. We were, we, we've been trying to keep these snappy, and uh, instead of being like 45-minute episode, that'd be like a 45-day episodes, and, and we're just not into that. So um, let's move right along uh, to the first assassination attempt. Okay, so the first attempt came on June 10th, 1840, exactly four months after Queen Victoria and Prince Albert were married on February 10th, 1840. Um, side note, fun fact, Victoria was the one who proposed to Albert, not the other way around. I really like that fact. I do too. She's woman, woman knew what she wanted. Yeah, she, 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 was, knew. she was a... She was a straight shooter. She was out there. She knew which dick she wanted. She was like, I'm getting that. She knew which cousin she wanted. She was already queen, you know. She's like, I know. I need to get married because all these people are like fucking biting at my heels. So I might as well just do it. Here's a good cousin. He seems cool. Let's get him. Yeah. And the newly married couple left Buckingham Palace in a carriage headed towards Hyde Park. And they'd barely left the palace grounds when 18-year-old barman Edward Oxford fired two shots at the Queen from a pistol. Huh. The shots missed and Oxford was taken down by members of the crowd who had gathered outside the palace. And unfazed by the would-be assassin, Victoria and Albert just continued their journey and went for their day out in Hyde Park. <laughs> Uh, Prince Albert later wrote that this was to show the public that they had not lost confidence in them. That's sweet. Like that's badass as well. Like oh okay, yeah. So do just try to do just fire two shots at us, but you know, fucking we're gonna go to the park. Let's have a picnic anyway, we, guys. Yeah, let's go out. Let's be with the you know the commoners. We're not scared of them. I just we can, we can mix it, you know, down and dirty with all the Londoners. This is sort of the first in a recurring theme uh, of these yes. assassination attempts where where these two, like, arguably at that point in time, two of the most powerful people in the world. Oh, yeah. And they're when just... consider the size of the British Empire. Empire. Yeah. And they're just I mean, like... Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, someone just tried to kill us, but let's go, you know, watch the ducks in the park. Like, it's just yeah. so blase. Like, nothing bothers him. And it's kind of amazing. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, so, while the royal couple, badasses that they were, may have come away unscathed, um, Edward Oxford was tried for treason due to the attempted regicide of Queen Victoria, which is of course, the proper terminology for trying to off a member of the royal family. Um, I love that. Regicide. Regicide. It is good. Right. So, tried for treason due to attempted regicide. Uh, The jury found Oxford not guilty by reason of insanity, and he was detained at Her Majesty's pleasure, which seems especially appropriate appropriate in this instance. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) um yeah yeah so if you we have talked about what her majesty's pleasure means in terms of sentencing sentencing i do not know why i had to specify that we would not have talked about it in any other context (laughs) Hmm. no so if you are sentenced to be detained at her majesty's pleasure or if we had a king it would be his majesty's pleasure it basically means that your sentence is open-ended and you might be there for a few years. You might be there for 40 years. Yeah. It depends on the crime, whether you've been put in like a high security hospital or if you're in an actual prison. Um, but yeah, it's basically an open-ended sentence. Yeah. So um, he was detained at Her Majesty's pleasure in the State Criminal Lunatic Asylum, also known as Bethlehem Royal Hospital and later moved to the infamous Broadmoor Hospital. In 1867, Edward Oxford was offered conditional release from Broadmoor, the condition being that he had to leave the UK and resettle in one of the colonies. So this is actually quite a common thing in the Victorian era, possibly throughout other eras, um, you know, while the empire was at its height sort of thing. Um, So Oxford left for Australia, which was uh, known for being a place where the Brits sent their criminals. Uh, and they, you know, established numerous penal colonies while destroying the lives of uh, Aboriginal Australians. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Oxford lived in Australia under a new identity, John Freeman. Appropriate. And he worked as a painter and lived out his days in Melbourne. Oxford always denied his guilt, maintaining that the gun was only loaded with powder and that he was motivated by a desire for infamy and notoriety rather than anything political that's what they all say bud um he he died in melbourne i'm sure like lee harvey oswald did the exact same thing we'll never know because he was killed by jack ruby so that's a whole nother can of worms jfk stuff is like the peak of conspiracy theories I do enjoy a good JFK conspiracy. Me too. Magic bullet. My favorite anyone? is the my favorite is the mob theory. Yeah, that's a good one. Anywho, uh, Oxford, John Freeman, Edward Oxford, he died in Melbourne in or Melbourne, I think is how Melbourne Melbourne, um, in April 1900 at the age of 78. I mean, for a first assassination attempt, okay, you got the infamy because you were the first, but it's a little weak. I mean, yeah. you've got a malfunctioning gun. You're in the middle of a crowd. Yeah. You, you need better planning. You do. Like, that's the thing. Like, don't go, don't go about it where the crowd can tackle you. That's yeah. rule number one. And, like... Mm. Who if, wants if you want to do you that, want that's the thing if you want to do something for just just for the notoriety why try and knock off the queen yeah, like do something else like that is not gonna well yeah it did make him infamous but, but you also have to go to prison get you done for treason yeah yeah you have to go to prison and then you have to move to australia like it's a big big risk you're taking there and if he had succeeded I, they would have fucking killed him so 
well, yeah, where's the been, good there? He, yeah, he'd have been hung. Yeah. If if he if he'd succeeded, he would have been hung, drawn, quartered. The lot. It's <laughs> there was there was no good outcome for that. No, this doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But so moving on to the second attempt on Queen Victoria's life, uh, this one came just two years later, on May twenty eighth, eighteen forty two. Uh, the Queen and Prince Albert were once again riding in an open carriage, uh, which maybe they should have considered just not doing, but it's their their carriage, their choice. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, they weren't scared, clearly. That's true. They were just like, well, whatever. <laughs> nobody's, nobody's succeeded yet. Um, so this time they were returning to Buckingham Palace from a church service at the nearby St. James Palace, uh, and they were riding along the mall, which is not a large shopping so center. No. I take it. The mall, or the mall, as it's also known. I think it's actually the mall. It's just that we now have, like, Americanized mm. it into the mall, mm-hmm. which I think sounds better anyway. Yeah. So the mall is the road which leads to Buckingham Palace. So every time something happens to do with the royal family, you will see a shot of the mall leading up to Buckingham Palace. It's, like, tree-lined and... Yeah, it's really pretty. It's, like, a big wide road, right? Yeah. Um, and you've got multiple parks kind of dotted around near the palace. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's what the mall is. Yeah. Um. So Albert reported seeing, and this is his quotation, quote, a little swarthy, ill-looking rascal um, uh, reported seeing this guy point a pistol at the queen and pull the trigger, but the gun failed to fire, and the would-be assassin quickly disappeared into Green Park, which borders the mall. Um, the prince reported the incident to royal security, but reportedly began to think that his eyes must have been playing tricks on him when he discovered that no one else in the royal convoy had noticed the strange occurrence. I imagine you would be a bit kind of messed up if you're like, you know, you're married to the actual Queen of England and nobody in your security detail noticed that there was a guy pointing a gun at your wife. I know. (laughs) You start to feel a little bit bonkers, I feel like. Oh, maybe I shouldn't have taken that opium last night. Yeah. (laughs) Whoopsies. Uh, So the prince dismissed his doubts until the following day when the royal household began to hear reports that a young boy in the crowd along the mall had seen exactly the same thing as Prince Albert had. Mm -hmm. And so a sting operation was set up. I love this. It was decided that that day, May 30th, 1842, Queen Victoria and Prince Albert would take a carriage ride through the parks near the palace in an attempt to lure out the would-be assassin. So, yeah, the Queen is literally using herself as bait yeah. for the guy that's tried to shoot her the previous day. It's, like, impressive. Yeah. I mean, she was a badass. Oh, yeah. Uh, reports claim that the Queen refused to confine herself indoors whilst the gunman was on the loose. So, yeah. Bad bitch. Yeah. To, to set the plan in action, the couple set off on their journey, accompanied in the carriage by only two officers... Colonel Charles Arbuthnot. <laughs> I don't. I don't think that's probably how you say that. Arbuthnot. That just sounds like I don't know. Not like snot. Like oh, this poor it man. Kind of sounds like you got a list. Yeah. I mean, and I already sound like that a majority of the time anyway. So <laughs> we're not doing great. <laughs> so right. So sorry, Colonel. Uh. We fucked your name. We up. have no idea how to say your name, but you're probably long gone by now. Um, yeah. For your sake, hopefully. Uh, also in the carriage, Lieutenant Colonel William Wild. Did I get that one right? Yes. Uh, yes. So Prime Minister John Peel deployed plainclothes police officers to the nearby parks and along the carriage's route, uh, all of them with the sort of description of the ill-looking rascal. Uh, And sure enough, a shot rang out just five paces from the carriage. Undercover officers pounced on the shooter who once again missed his mark. 
The shooter was revealed to be John Francis, an out-of-work carpenter. He was tried for high treason and found guilty on Friday, June 17th. So this is literally like three weeks after. They're very efficient so, in Victorian yeah, London, we apparently. Had an efficient, yeah, clearly had a better criminal justice uh, system back in those days, you know. Keep it going. Quick, quick, quick. All right, that's you. Off to Australia. That's the thing. It, oh, wait, no. It's like not only yeah. are they arresting, charging, prosecuting, sentencing, they're also organizing international travel before airplanes like yeah this is a lot to get done back to john francis so he was initially sentenced to death by hanging but in what i think we can describe as quite a remarkable move mm -hmm. queen victoria commuted his sentence to life in australian exile which was technically known as transportation for life which actually sounds like yeah. like um like a really good like thing it's gonna be like it sounds like you're just gonna be stuck on a train for the rest of your life or like hey you've just won on the price is right lifetime transportation costs covered <laughs> <laughs> like i'd be into that just saying so in in john francis's case this life in australian australian exile meant that he had to live the rest of his life in australia but uh, he was also sentenced to hard labor in a penal colony once he got there. So not not super fun. Yeah, it's it's not quite as 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 freeing as just being like, right, you've got to go live on the other side of the world. It's like, oh, you've got to go and work hard labor for a few years first. Yeah, on the other. Then side if of you're the world. still alive, then if you're still alive, you might be allowed to live yeah, free. Maybe. Um, he was released on a ticket of leave in 1867 and now in the british colonies a ticket of leave gave prisoners some freedoms to find employment but they had to remain in a specified area um, they could even bring their family over to the colony if they so wished or if they were unmarried they were free to marry as long as they remained living in the local area so it was a bit like an early form of parole which is actually pretty cool um yeah now, unfortunately, we don't really know a lot more about John Francis or what became of him in Australia because, you know, records. Yeah. Um, there may be more information out there, but from a lot of the articles, it just seems that he kind of died in obscurity in Australia. Mm -hmm. But yeah, uh, another badass move oh, by yeah. uh, good old Queen Vic there. You know, like, yeah, you tried to kill me, and for that, you should be hung. But you know what? I'm going to let you live, but you got to go and live in Australia, mate. Yeah, and, like, not even you tried to kill me. You tried to kill me twice. Oh, yeah. In, like, a week's time. So, you know. No, it was, in, it was one, it was, like, two, two days. days yeah. Like, one day and then the next. So, like, it's, it's really very generous of her, I, I have to say. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so... What are we learning from this? Queen Victoria took no shit from anybody. Yeah. But was also magnanimous. Yeah. Do you remember um, a couple of years ago, there was someone like tweeted a picture of Taylor Swift and was like, name a bad a bitch, I'll wait. Oh God. And it became like a whole thing. I'm going to nominate Queen Victoria yeah. for that. hundred um, percent. Now you would think that after two assassination attempts in two days, Queen Victoria might have been given a bit of a reprieve by the general public, but no. <laughs> Less than six weeks later, there was a fourth attempt on her life. So July 3rd, 1842, history repeated itself when 17-year-old John William Bean loaded a pistol with pieces of broken clay pipe and waited for the royal convoy. Also worth noting is that this attack happened the day after she commuted John Francis's sentence to life in exile. Jesus. Some, so some people... Woman's not even getting a day off no. from having to think about assassins. Some people are just never, never satisfied. Um, no. So the royal couple were traveling along where, you guessed it, the mall from the royal chapel back to Buckingham Palace. Um... 
when John Bean went to take his shot. But just like John Francis, only a few weeks earlier, the gun malfunctioned and failed to fire. Because this is the 1840s, and clearly we have not gotten our shit together with pistols yet. Um, <laughs> clearly not. Uh, however, unlike John Francis, John Bean was not able to simply slip the gun into his pocket and blend into the crowd. He was quickly tackled to the ground by a 16-year-old passerby named Charles Edward Dassett and his older brother, and the two boys took him to uh, a local officer. Yeah, and I couldn't find a name for the older brother. Brother Dassett. Is annoying. Yeah. Um, but the officer just laughed in their faces, and the growing crowd around them pressured the Dassett brothers to release John Bean. All reports note that John Bean was disabled. He had suffered he suffered from a serious spinal deformity, which had impeded his growth and left him hunchbacked and standing at only four feet tall. Ouch. So it is possible that many bystanders sort of thought of him as harmless or that he was being victimised um, by the two boys or, you know, something along those lines. And we're just like, no, just, you know, let him go. He's, what's, what's he going to do? Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, the boys let John Bean go, but the police decided that, hey, they should probably charge the, the guy who tried to kill the queen... Go figure. You mean the Met didn't really do their job properly? Oh my god. Can you imagine? I am shook. Hey, there. There's our segue. Tying it back together. <laughs> yes, it all comes into one. <laughs> Goes all the way to the top. Um, right, so they figured, hey, maybe we should go get that guy who tried to shoot pieces of pipe at the Queen, which is also just a, a detail. Um... And so they, over the next two weeks, uh, rounded up what reports from the time describe as, quote, every hunchback they could find, end quote. How lovely. Uh, they eventually found John Bean at his family home. Uh, the boy claimed that his pistol had been loaded with more tobacco than anything else and that it was pointed at the ground and he denied any attempt to kill the queen and protest that she was never in any danger. Here's a thought, though. Just don't bring a pistol, pistol to the queen if you don't want to yeah. be suspected of attempted assassination. Just just an idea. Yeah, I mean, you're going to get in a bit yeah, of trouble. Just lad. don't do it, man. There are better things to, to, to do with your time. Yeah. Uh, John Bean could have been charged with treason, which at the time carried the death sentence. Uh, but the royal family thought that would have been too harsh a sentence. And Prince Albert actually encouraged Parliament to pass laws which would recognise lesser crimes against the monarch, such as intent to alarm, assault, or having a loaded weapon in the presence of the uh -huh. Queen, rather than, you know, high treason and attempted regicide. And so the Treason Act of 1842 was soon passed. I just like, once again, these two are just they're yeah. so nice to their would-be assassins they're just like look <laughs> i know i know, I know right. that like most royals would be like oh this guy showed up to the party with a loaded gun so he should be hung but yeah i think <laughs> we should just say he was just holding his gun he was fine he didn't mean to do anything let's change the law for him like yeah <laughs> So, yeah, having a loaded weapon in the presence of a queen. Yeah. I just, I love it. Yeah. Also, I love intent to alarm the queen, to, like, frighten her. I don't think she got alarmed, no, she, you know, going off these stories. She seems pretty <laughs> damn unflappable, if you ask me, but. <laughs> yes. So. And we will see this in a later attempt. We will see this too, like. Yes. A much further degree. Yeah, love it. Um, so under the new very generous treason laws, um, John William Bean was found guilty and sentenced to 18 months hard labor, not death. Cool for him. Um, upon his release, he sort of faded into obscurity, although he is the only one of Victoria's would-be assassins who was born 
lived, and then died in London. He married twice and raised a son named Samuel and worked as a news vendor for most of his life. Uh, the few reports of his death describe him as a troubled man who suffered from depression for mu uh, much of his adult life. And in July 1882, John William Bean ended his own life uh, by taking an overdose of opium. It's a very sad ending. Well, it's just a very sad story. Yeah. Um, he, you know, has obviously had all these health issues at the, uh, you know, at the beginning of his life and then suffered very serious mental health problems. Um, not to mention 18 months had later. Yeah. That would be rough on anybody. Yeah. Probably not helping matters. Uh, so following John Bean's unsuccessful attempt on the monarch's life, Queen Victoria actually, shock and awe, had a reprieve from people trying to murder her. And for almost seven years, there were no known assassination attempts, which what a relief that must have been for her after all that bullshit. Yeah, yeah and, and note that we're saying known yeah. assassination attempts. There may have been some, but she's just like, well, this guy's not even trying. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know. Who knows? Um, but... All this changed on June 19th, 1849, when William Hamilton caught up with dear old Queenie. William Hamilton was an unemployed bricklayer from County Limerick in what is now the Republic of Ireland. Uh, now, we definitely do not have time to go into the history of British and Irish relations. No. But we'll give you a quick rundown of the situation in the 1840s. Ireland's biggest export was potatoes. And in the 1840s, the potato crop was infected with a blight, which led to the Irish potato famine. Yeah. So between 1840 and 1850, more than one million Irish people starved to death and another million emigrated, which caused the country's population to fall by an estimated 25%. And actually, some of my ancestors uh, emigrated after the potato famine. And or during. I really thought you'd get like I'd get to count to two seconds before you, the American in the room, mentioned Irish ancestry. My last name is McDaniel. <laughs> Literally <laughs> Irish. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> um, so population fell by an estimated 25%. More than 2 million Irish became refugees during this period. 1847, known as Black 47, was the worst year of the Great Famine. Now, there is and always has been intense criticism of the way uh, that the British government treated Ireland during this time. It's now widely accepted Ireland was actually producing enough crops to feed the population, but many farmers were tenant farmers or sharecroppers, and so the landlords, most of whom were British, basically took most of the potatoes to ship out of Ireland and sell elsewhere. The Irish famine has been likened to the Holodomor, which was a man-made famine in Ukraine in the 1930s. Millions of ethnic Ukrainians died as food grown in Ukraine was confiscated by Stalin's government in Moscow and outside aid was rejected. Now, since 2006, Ukraine and 15 other countries have recognised the Holodomor as genocide. But the question of genocide against the Irish during the famine has been debated now for more than 160 years, nearly 170 years. Yeah. Um, but officially it is not recognised as such. So given this very condensed <laughs> yeah. throwing of facts at you, uh, Queen Victoria came under intense criticism uh, for not doing more to help the plight of the Irish during the famine. Um, and also one thing I should have put in the script, which I didn't, was that we have a monarchy, but we also have a government in this yeah. country. And we did at the time as well. I think we've had that for like 400 years nearly mm -hmm. now. Um, so the queen does not have absolute power. Uh, during Vic uh, Queen Victoria's reign, there was a lot more power still in the hands of the royal family than there is today. I mean, today, They're just figureheads. The, the royal family are just figureheads yeah. and tourist attractions, basically. <laughs> 
um, which is pretty much the argument for keeping them. <laughs> Step right up, see the queen. She's the queen. She's got yeah. white hair. She's older than your grandmother. And she's quieter, too. So, uh, bear all this in mind when we look at William Hamilton's attempt on Queen Victoria's life. Hamilton had grown up in poverty in Ireland and had been forced to emigrate to England during the famine. And after spending some time in France, he returned to London in 1848 and was reportedly frustrated with the lack of British assistance during the famine. So on the evening of June 19th, 1849, Hamilton borrowed a pistol from a friend and headed down to the mall to wait for the royal carriage to pass, as all good assassins will do. Uh, that evening, Queen Victoria and three of her children, uh, she actually had nine children, uh, so she's with three of her children, including the eldest son, who would go on to be King of England. Uh, they're riding in a carriage on the way back from Regent's Park. Uh, the royal family had been making appearances to celebrate Queen Victoria's birthday. And you might be thinking, hey, I thought this happened in June, and earlier on you said that Victoria was born in May. You would be mm. correct. But the Queen, or... Any reigning monarch in Britain has their actual birthday and their official birthday. So they have their actual birthday is their actual birthday when they were mm -hmm. born. And their official birthday is like the public celebration. Um, so standing in almost the exact same spot on the mall as Edward Oxford had in 1840, William Hamilton took aim at the passing carriage and pulled the trigger. But... Once again, luckily for the royal family, the gun malfunctioned and Hamilton was tackled to the ground by the head groundskeeper of James's Park. Um, he told police that he had loaded the gun only with powder and shot it with the intention of being arrested and sent to prison as he, is, as he was sick of being out of work. Which is one way to go about things, I suppose. Yeah, and not really that... Not common, but not unheard yeah. of during times of like extreme um recession or you know mass unemployment things yeah. like that people would commit crimes just to have uh, shelter and food a roof yeah. over the head and three meals a day yeah. but also like again you could probably go about that in smaller ways than shooting a pistol at the queen and her children yeah just a thought guy yeah, it, there are other ways to do it. Go all Jean Valjean on that bullshit and steal some bread. Yeah. Or like, start a small fire yeah. somewhere. Or, you know, it's streak naked through a park. It's Victorian London. I'm sure there are so many other things. The possibilities are like endless. So many other crimes you could be taking part in and getting arrested for. Yeah. But alas. So Hamilton pled guilty, although we couldn't actually find what the crime was listed as. He was sentenced to seven years hard labour in exile and was transported to the British colony of Gibraltar, uh, which is just off the coast of southern Spain. Um, but five years into this sentence, he was transported to Western Australia, where he lived in exile until his death at the age of 58 in Perth. I feel like all of these, like, would-be assassins were just sort of made examples of, for the, <laughs> the idea of exiling people to penal colonies, like, seems to be a recurring theme here. Yeah. I wonder if, I mean, I'm absolutely not an advocate of the death penalty, but I do wonder if one of them had been hung, if the rest would, would have still have, have done it because being shipped off to the colonies is arguably much better than being stuck in a British prison. Yeah, it's true. But also, I'm ki I am kind of am amused. Maybe she was just like really twisted and she's like, okay, so you could just be hung until you're dead. And that'll be you done with. But no, you are going to suffer. You are going to go to a colony and you are going to be sentenced to hard labor. And then you're never going to come back and see your family. Yeah, and like, and it's going to take you months to get there on a boat. Fuck you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hope you get sick. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, so, uh, once again, we're compressing time a little bit here. And a year and a week 
after William Hamilton's failed assassination attempt came the sixth attempt on Queen Victoria's life. I feel like once you run out of fingers to count them on, like, you're invincible. Well, like, on one hand, yeah. you know. Most people don't even get past one, so. <laughs> on, on your hand yeah. of all thumbs, yeah, you know. Oh, no, not all the thumbs. <laughs> Um, so <laughs> a former British army officer, Robert Pate was well known by Londoners and to the queen herself, actually, as a bit of a quote, lunatic, to put it bluntly. I think really he was just a not Yeah. Yeah. Up until this point. Yes. Well, um, he was a recluse known for his wacky clothing and was often seen goose-stepping around London's royal parks. I remember this is long before Hitler and the Nazis, so yeah. goose-stepping is just yeah. weird. It's not even got, like, the political statement that it would have now. It's <laughs> just this former army guy kind of looning it up in the park a little mm. bit. Um, so on June 27th, 1850, the queen and some of her children were visiting one of her uncles who was dying. Uh, Pate was out for one of his walks around the park when he saw the crowd that had gathered outside the gates trying to catch a glimpse of the queen and he went to join them. Pate waited until the royal carriage passed through the gates and he stepped up to the carriage and struck Queen Victoria across the head with his cane. <laughs> He was quickly restrained by members of the crowd, and reports claimed that the crowd would have lynched him had the police not intervened. Wow. Uh, Queen Victoria stood up in the carriage and announced, I am not hurt. <laughs> uh, although a black eye and huge bruise uh, would later develop across, you know, the side of her head, where this man had just whacked her with a big stick. Uh, like, two things here. Love that after... Five attempted shootings. What finally makes contact is a fucking cane. And uh, yeah. <laughs> also just like literally the queen getting knocked in the noggin and then jumping up and doing the classic. I'm OK. Yeah. Badass as fuck. Yeah, definitely. Um, so Pate was tried on three charges uh, first, unlawfully and maliciously striking the queen. Makes sense. Now, see, because you said it's unlawfully and maliciously, so if it was lawfully and, and consensually, then we'd be talking about Her Majesty's pleasure in a yes, different way. Yes, bringing it back around. Here we go. Well done, well done. This is why we shouldn't record on a Friday nope. afternoon when we're both very yep. tired. Hey. I like it. It's fun. We're keeping it fun um, on our yeah. depressing murder podcast. It's fine. Giving you a tour through royal assassination attempts. Yeah. Making we'll just we'll just make it fun with some BDSM and yeah, yeah. slapstick. There's BDSM. this one's literally got slapstick in it, so it's very it's very <laughs> Three Stooges. <laughs> Oh my God! Wait, I just heard it. Slap with a stick. I that didn't even. I thought that's no. the joke you were making. <laughs> I just meant like the comedic <laughs> act of slapstick. Oh. <laughs> Dear listeners, I wonder how many people are actually. I know. With us if you're still here, you're our new best friends. Thank you. Yeah. So sorry. <laughs> and yeah. you're welcome. You're welcome. You're <laughs> so welcome. Um, so, right. Firstly, he was charged with slapping, slapstick, slapstick, malicious slapstick. Uh, second, he was charged with my favorite new treason crime, alarming the queen. <laughs> queen alarm, queen alarm. Um <laughs> Yeah, but it doesn't seem that she no, was, she very was fine. At all. She was like, I am not her. It's just, it's one of those like tack on charges that, that you get, you know? Yeah. Um, 
And third, he was charged with breaking the peace. Despite the way we're describing him, he did not plead insanity. I think we would at this point. <laughs> um, but <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, but his defense team did ask for leniency because uh, they said he suffered a momentary lapse caused by a weak mind. Maybe a little bit of insanity in there. Just, just a thought. Um, now, as you can probably tell, Pate was from a much higher social station than Queen Victoria's other would-be assassins. You know, the Queen actually knew who he was to begin with, which says a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and this high status translated into a seven-year sentence in transportation, although not lifelong exile to the colonies like, like all the others. Um, and Pate was shipped off to a penal colony in Van Diemen's Land? Von, Van Diemen's Land? In any case, Tasmania. He was sent to Tasmania. Uh, he served one year of hard labor and was then transferred to a much more amiable work community for the remainder of his sentence. Following his release, uh, Robert Page stayed in Tasmania, married uh, a local woman, um, stayed there for eight years before returning to London, where he lived up until his death in 1895. His motivations for attacking the Queen were never revealed, uh, but he was the only person to actually cause physical harm to Queen Victoria. Which is impressive, considering things were quiet. All quiet on the assassination front for the next 21 years. Uh, until February 29th, 1872, when 17-year-old Arthur O'Connor scaled the walls of Buckingham Palace and sprinted across the courtyard to wait for the royal carriage. When Victoria returned from a drive around the royal parks, O'Connor climbed onto the royal carriage and standing a foot away from her, he aimed a pistol at the Queen. Victoria's personal servant, John Brown, grabbed O'Connor by the neck and wrestled him to the ground uh, while the Queen was rushed to safety. John Brown was credited with saving Queen Victoria's life and he received a medal for his heroism. O'Connor, on the other hand, was tried for treason. He was sentenced to a year in prison and birching, which is to be struck with uh, a rod, like a wooden rod made from a birch tree. So it's a very hard Ouch. wood. Uh, following his prison stay, he was exiled to... Australia! Yeah, no prizes for guessing. So O'Connor was the descendant of Irish revolutionaries, and he always maintained that he never intended to kill or even harm Queen Victoria. Again, that's what they all say, dude. Um, but rather, his intention was to frighten her into signing a document that would release Irish political prisoners being held in British jails. So if that was actually his deal... Would he not have that document on him? Wouldn't that be pretty easy to prove? Yeah, you would have thought so. Yeah. Like, He'd have like a pen yeah. and a, or a quill or whatever. Mm. But yeah, alas. Unless, unless he intended to hold her at gunpoint while she went into the palace and drafted up this document. Which I feel like would not have gone well for him. <laughs> no. O'Connor was eventually committed to Rydalmere Hospital for the Insane in the city of Parramatta, New South Wales, where he died in 1925. I'm not sure if I pronounced either of those things correctly, but there you go. So we've got another Irish. Well, he's actually English, but descendant is of, of Irish um, heritage. He was only 17 at the time. He's very young. So he would actually have been born after the famine. So we can speculate that maybe his family had been displaced. Mm. You can see the, the sort of political motivations in that, definitely. Um, he definitely got closest. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, besides If he stood stick. a foot away, I mean, yeah, but he's got a stick between him and the queen. True, true. So at least this guy like is like... Put away with He's a like pistol aimed right at there. Yeah, that is very 
also in a carriage. So like you're in a carriage, you can't, you literally cannot be that far away from the other people in the carriage. No. So yeah, it'd be quite. No, I mean, uh, you're practically sat on each on each of his knees, <laughs> exactly. especially at that time when you consider how big everyone's dresses were. Yeah, yeah. So and Queen I Victoria mean, as well. For those big dresses, <laughs> they are so cool. Like built-in social distancing, though, right? Exactly. <laughs> the eighth and final assassination attempt on Queen Victoria's life would take place on March 2nd, 1882. And we can't even confirm the name of the person who did it, or at least tried to do it. <laughs> uh, Victoria arrived at Windsor train station. She travelled from London and she was immediately set upon by a man some refer to as Frederick McLean and others refer to as Roderick McLean. <laughs> Whoever he was, he was aiming a gun at the Queen's head. Yeah. Um, so 28-year-old McLean managed to pull the trigger, but luckily the bullet missed the Queen and he was tackled to the ground by the train conductor before being beaten up by two Eton schoolboys in quite possibly the most British way possible. The two schoolboys battered him with their umbrellas. Now, we haven't been able to find out what the reason was for McLean's attempt on the Queen's life. Now, some reports say he was Irish. Others say he was Scottish. The English weren't popular with the Scots during this period or ever really um but other than the than that there's no real explanation of his motivations McLean was tried for high treason but was found not guilty by reason of insanity and confined to an asylum it came out during the trial that he had been certified insane two years earlier hmm that is the wording used at the time. Can you be certified insane? Who certified him? Like, does he have a? I, did he have a stamp, like a seal of certification? See, this is why that wording is horrible. Yeah, it implies that someone has been like branded. Yeah, that's not great. And like, what is the certifying body? Is there like, is it the government? Is it the uh, prison system? Is it the like? Just It just yeah. brings up a lot of questions. Yeah, basically, in this day and age, he would be known to have mental health problems, whereas back then it was kind of, oh, we've certified him insane and just... Yeah. That's it. That's it. We told you. Nobody really... Yeah, nobody really took any sort of effort to follow up on that and ensure he was not a danger to himself or others. Yes. Like the queen. Uh but this trial also led to a change in the law at the request of Queen Victoria and it allowed juries to find a suspect guilty and insane at the same time. I think that's Whereas fair. previously you would be not guilty by reason of insanity. Yeah. I, I think it's fair so long as you are being put... Um, uh, sort of put into the healthcare system, yeah. you know, whether it is Broadmoor or another sort of high security hospital yeah. rather than just shoved into the, the prison system with no help. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like if, if a jury f finds with, with this sort of verdict, the sentencing should be very specific. Yes. McLean would spend the next 39 years in Broadmoor Asylum until his death in 1921 when he was aged about 67 we think again sketchy records <laughs> whatever his first name was. was yeah and this was the final attempt on victoria's life she remained on the throne until her death on july 22nd 1901 she'd reigned for 63 years and seven months which was longer than any previous british monarch Although Queen Elizabeth II has now surpassed that and is at 68 years and six months, I believe. Impressive. Queen Victoria was succeeded by her eldest son, who went on to become King Edward VII. <sighs> That's one tough that lady. That is. That is a wild ride. It really is. Yeah, but like, holy hell. 
Queen Victoria, badass numero uno in my books. Um, yeah, could 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 provide an example for all of us of how to take no bullshit and suffer no fools. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, like anything that anyone in power touches, you know, there is a lot of controversy. Mm-hmm. There is, she had a lot of fault, but. When just just purely looking at how she dealt with people trying to knock her off every few years. That's the thing. It's like on a very like person to person level. She was just like, yeah, 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 guys, come at me. Like, see if you yeah. can succeed. No one has yet. And it, what's really interesting to me is the sort of legal, le- the legislation changes that came about from these yeah. specific things. Like, quite big things especially the treason act which oh yeah definitely did really change something very fundamental about how uh, like it kind of made it not easier or better necessarily to criticize or or sort of violently protest against the the monarchy but less a less deadly endeavor potentially yeah, that is it is really interesting that these things changed and that they they themselves were behind it, you yeah. know. I dare you to find another woman in power who has survived eight assassination attempts, very public ones. Like it's yeah. just impressive is the thing. Name a bad a bitch. We'll wait. Yeah. And like she had a fuck ton of children. She reigned for 63 years. She ushered in, you know, Victoria was the new black in fashion after Albert died. And like, yeah, like she just, I mean, if you really look at sort of the history of British culture, she had a huge part to play in all of it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, and But I, I and also feel like nobody talks about this. Like people don't know about this as no. much, which is interesting to me. What I find really interesting is, so Queen Elizabeth, uh, uh, Queen Victoria and Queen Elizabeth I, so obviously Queen Elizabeth I was part of the Tudor dynasty, uh, Victoria was the last in the Hanover mm-hmm. dynasty, mm-hmm. and that became known as, it wasn't known as the Hanover period, it was known as the Victorian, Victorian. era, Yeah. Um, it was known as the Elizabethan era, era mm-hmm. as well as the Tudor era, and I just find it really really interesting that these women have like really defined the times that they were in power and i know there was like the georgian and the edwardian eras but they're not talked about as much no and it's also and it's, it's not, like those are talked about at least from from my point of view those are mostly talked about in terms of architectural styles not like yeah. political change so yeah <laughs> something to consider there yeah with all that Uh, We and (laughs) Queen Victoria, thank you so much for listening. Um, (laughs) Please come and join us on social media. uh, Square Mile of Murder, the podcast, at Square Mile of Murder on Instagram. Tell us what you think. Who was your favorite would-be assassin? Which Australian penal colony would you like to be sent to after you've alarmed the queen? Um, I'm I'm going to say Tasmania, just... For a, a change of pace, maybe even Gib- maybe maybe Gibraltar, maybe I'd just skip the Australian. Shorter, shorter, tr- shorter f- travel. So you know. Yeah, and Spain's a lovely country. <laughs> I love Spain. So yeah, I think I'm gonna go to Gibraltar. All right then. So we have our picks. We want to hear yours. Um, n- we are currently planning our content for the rest of the year. Uh, we've got a few things. In, in the books planned, but there is plenty of open space. So if there's a case that you would love to hear our thoughts on, uh, our puns about, and our sarcastic comments, uh, please do post in our... Wildly f- inappropriate tangents. Yes. <laughs> All of these things. If you want to hear us blather on for hours about a case that you find really interesting and and we just <laughs> fill it with nonsense. Come on <laughs> down, friend. Um, yeah. But yeah, let us know on social media. Um, 
Facebook page, our Facebook group, um, or on Instagram. We'd love to have more cases and, and, you know, we want to, want to do things that interest you. Um, and we would love it if, uh, you could subscribe to us and leave us a rating and a review if you haven't already. Um, it really helps, uh, the podcast get in front of more people and we really appreciate it. And if you would like to go one step further and support the pod with any spare pennies you might have, head over to patreon.com forward slash square mile of murder. Pledges start from just $1, which is about 80 pence. And Patreon have just started allowing patrons to pay in their own native currency, so it's even easier um, to access all our bonus content now. And all patrons get at every level get regular episodes a day early, so... There's some videos over there that that we haven't put up anywhere else, and there's uh, extra special episodes and um, all all kinds of fun stuff, and uh, more more to come. So, yeah, we have lots of things planned. So, yeah, yeah, stay tuned. Keep an keep an eye on us. Yeah, we shouldn't be left unattended very long. No, probably not. <laughs> and we will be back next week with a brand new episode. Yes. Thank you so much, guys. Bye. Bye.